0: Alright, we are off to the races.
1: Hooray to the, the races. races.
0: Yeah. Just had a uh, a soccer game that week. we played the uh played the best team of the league. Mm. And you felt it. And we didn't have our star who has scored say say so far this season we've scored something on your screen. Twelve goals or something like that. Um Ashley scored ten of them. This is another
1: one on your screen. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff going on there.
0: And uh, what is that? It's that's a Little Snitch saying that one of my apps is trying to phone home. App yeah, that's allowed the phone home, but it hasn't phoned home since mm. I installed a Little Snitch. So, mm. uh, yeah, I' not sure we got a single shot on goal.
1: Well, it happens. It happens.
0: Yeah, so it was a tough game, but kids had fun. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I should hope at least that's all that matters. It's most of what matters. <laughs> Your fry got a little wounded. No, no. I mean, I don't pride care. I, I don't care about winning. Oh, it would be sweet to beat this team, though, because they also play really rough. I mean, they should. They Push a lot and they uh skin injured one of our girls last time with a skin just a skin knee. And then the push this time was even more blatant. And same ref, both games. And this ref's oh, I don't like the ref, but anyway, um, it would sure be sweet to beat this team. But the way things are going, we're not even in the same league, mm. so it's not gonna happen. Oh well, the kids are having fun. Hopefully, the parents realize that's more important than winning and uh. Hey, it so. should be what, what happens. It, it, right? It's better than these kids sitting on their butts all winter. So.
1: Mm. Speaking of winter, we finally, it's finally cold. For a day or two. Yeah, for a day or two. It's going to get back to the 60s, right? Something like that. So it's uh, interesting interesting weather, interesting
0: climate that we're having. The record high for Christmas Day in Pittsburgh is 66 degrees. Happened in 1982. The record low is minus 17. Happened in 1983, the following year. Hmm. So, you got to remember that climate is an average of yeah, you know, years. Yeah, sure,
1: sure. But so. there has been nothing I've noticed in the past couple of years. Like, <laughs> it's been warmer and warmer in the beginning of winter and colder and colder at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I worry that you remember the last year or two and not much beyond that, you know. So, make sure you look at the the almanac and the, the yes, stats yes absolutely because uh,
1: yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't make an argument about it without having a stats in front mm, of.
0: right i'm not saying that the average global temperature is not going up it is going up but anyone who says it's 60 degrees on christmas and says climate change in the same sentence i mean it's it's not it's when much when, it, when it starts to that.
1: pile up you can say these things when When it starts to become very obvious that there's a trend going on, then it it makes sense to at least bring it into the conversation
0: right uh, sure the thing is the trend' not of, talking about isolated events we're like, talking about trends, yes, but the trends that people need to recognize are too subtle for them to actually recognize but That's they're the,
1: not actually, which is the weird thing about it i mean they, they are they are they vary on a season to season basis they vary on a year to year basis sure but they the effects of climate change can be felt very significantly and very quickly uh in, in certain circumstances. Now over large areas and over large, you know, large scale measurements, you're looking at a much more much smaller uh baseline. But you but the, the effects of climate change in local areas can be very significant.
0: Okay, I'm trying to see if I can find these stats real quick. No. I'm going to look more. I mean, look at the drought that's
1: happening in California as an example.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's not going to give me the info I want. Come on, Google. Anyway. And it's been four years of this incredible drought
1: because that whole area is a desert, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to, you know, it, it, when the when the general area sort of heats up, it goes back to being desert as opposed to being sort of more lush.
0: Well, sure. I I think the bigger problem is that there's not the snowpack up in Mm the Sierras that historically has always been there since modern Americans have been there. And so while they've been able to weather droughts in the past, better because rivers were flowing more because of the snowpack that's been receding for dozens, maybe hundreds of years. Yeah.
1: I mean, not to say that because the stump act did start to recede before that. I mean, basically all humans did was put an accelerator. In that you know, th- th- that's what we're doing with the, with the climate. We're putting an accelerator on all these changes. Changes that, that probably would over over time happen naturally, but we are exacerbating the problem significantly. Yep. That's
0: it. Yep. That wasn't even on our topic list. That kind of just came <laughs> out. <laughs> uh,
1: I guess we... So here's the thing. I would like to uh, discuss Star Wars, but what I, what I think we should do is discuss at the end of the pre-show in order to make sure that we only discuss Star Wars. After that, we will only discuss math. So people won't, <laughs> won't feel like they need to listen <laughs> in case we discuss something else. Okay. We only discussed Star Wars, and then we were only going to discuss math. I and, the math. You,
0: you don't think there's going to be very many people who want to hear the math who don't want to hear the Star Wars?
1: I well, I think that enough... If there are going to be people who want to listen to the math, they'll feel fine skipping through the Star Wars, and or they'll have seen Star Wars, or something. I mean, I just feel like... <laughs> uh, anyway, the reason why I, wanted to, I wanted to the math is I don't have a lot of beer in me.
0: Okay. So, all right. So, yeah, let's do that. Um, if you want to hear the math and not... The Star Wars. Send a tweet to Greg, and he'll tell you when to start listening. Mm,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: And he'll go find the time where the Star Wars is over and, and answer you.
1: But let's, let's go do some other stuff before then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. So what else? do we have? I, I don't have my computer in front of me because it's installing oh, okay. the OS, so you can tell me. Oh, well, this isn't
0: the channel talk or the episode talk. All right. So I watched Citizen Four, the documentary with Snowden. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting how this documentary came about, right? Because... At the beginning, Snowden was trying to contact Glen Greenwald, and he anonymously said, you know, set up your email encryption, Mm -hmm. and I'll give me your public key, and I'll send you some stuff. And Greenwald didn't do it. You know, too tough, didn't take the guy serious enough, you know, that kind of thing. So it kind of languished. So actually, Snowden then contacted, I forget her name, but the filmmaker who made the documentary, and he knew that she knew glenn greenwald so he got her involved so like the documentary footage is like they have actual live video of the first meeting and everything so i mean like you don't get that in a normal deep throat lake type yeah. thing i mean you know sure and um so i mean it's pretty interesting you know like he starts he, he starts out a couple things you know he's He's really imagine the era, you know, pre Snowden, and you're talking to this paranoid weirdo mm-hmm. who is super paranoid. You know, assume your advers- adversary can make a trillion guesses a second. You know, for for brute forcing your password, that kind of thing. And uh, he's worried that the phones are tapped. You know, because they're SIP phones, and he's worried that the microphones are on on the SIP phones. He when he was putting in his uh, Root password to decrypt his um, file vault or whatever, you know, his true crypt or whatever he was using. He would actually uh, put a blanket like over his head and over his laptop so he could type it in and no one could see what he was typing or see the screen or anything like that in the hotel room. You know? Uh, and then he starts telling these stories of... I mean, if you, if you want to be as secure as
1: possible, that's the way to do
0: it. And then he's... But, you know, so he's, he's being super secure, super but no one is like that secure who isn't paranoid and Mm. crazy. Right. So he's acting like a crazy guy. And then he's telling stories of crazy things, government collecting all this metadata and tapping internet service providers, you know, uplinks and all this, like you could definitely see we're like if you were living pre Snowden and you, you're a reporter and you meet this guy, you're like, come on crazy. Mm -hmm. Stop being crazy. You know? And, um, But you know, as you can see, you can kind of see Glenn. Well, Glenn first, Glenn gets uh, an education in technology and security and encryption, and then you know he starts believing Snowden, and then they go live with their first things, and Snowden's in the hotel in Singapore, I think it is some some agency. I think it's Singapore. Where's the Hong Kong?
1: Madman Hong Kong. Hong Kong sounds right.
0: Madman Hong Kong, and. um you know it just it's it's a really candid look at why is he citizen four that was his um pseudonym for his first anonymous communication and it has something to do historically i heard this back when they first announced you know we're talking about the documentary um did some orwell thing hmm? did an orwell thing Let's see if I can find it real quick, because I think it is an interesting answer. But yeah, he picked it out of literature or stor- historical or something like that. I might, I don't know, I'm going to have to look All it right. up. So, it was it was a good documentary. Um, the, the film writer was uh, Laura Poit- Poitras. Poitras, Poitras, I guess. And, um... She she's been doing things. Uh, she did is she the writer for Zero? No, Zero Dark Thirty. She she might. There was a thing at the end. Let's see. Uh, tr- 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 <sighs> sorry, but she actually moved to Germany because she was you know, Being worried, The film she was making, she was worried about like having her footage seized and stuff by the government. So she actually moved to Germany to make her films. Including Citizen Four.
1: Okay, so what do you think of the film
0: of Citizen Four? Uh, I liked it. Like I said, it's you know we were up on the whole Snowden thing mm-hmm. as it was developing, and it was interesting seeing the real Edward Snowden, right the the mix of brilliant and crazy, mm-hmm. and because I mean he does have some quirks to him, and but he's also comes across as very smart and then also very breaking the law, you know, by accessing material he was not authorized to access. So, you know, I think, you know, people should watch it, you know, no matter what you feel, whether he is hero or criminal and, uh, you know, watch the video and you might not change your mind, but at least you'll appreciate the person better. I think
1: that's important. We need to, we need to see these people as people. Mm-hmm. first and foremost, and then, then judge their actions, as right. opposed to judging their actions before we understand who they are I mean,
0: the movie, you know, if you think he's a criminal who committed treason, um, the movie's not your point of view. The movie is pro-information. Mm-hmm. Right? It's It's pro- checks and balances. It's, you know, if the government is going to do this kind of thing, it needs to not be secret or it needs to have oversight it Mm -hmm. needs to have that kind of thing uh it can't be secret courts with secret rules doing secret things and you know only a few senators are briefed on the whole Mm -hmm. parts of it so
1: sounds good yeah maybe i'll check it out um let's see what else you put there we talked about the four peaks during the show yeah um
0: register your drone man
1: Register my drone. You got to
0: register your drone. Well, I don't know if you do. I don't. I didn't really read the rules, but the FAA has passed their you, rules. You, you
1: put a tweet that's this. I don't know what the tweet was supposed to be about. He said, "Register your drone." Then, and-
0: well, register your drone with something I put in Slack channel. The tweet. The tweet is a beer with squid ink. Ah, uh, cool. Is it Bolinervice? I think with squid ink or something like that. Goza. Goza. That's it. Squid
1: ink is 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 nice. It's kind of nice, like uh, kind of sweet. Uh, um, slightly salty character to it So register my drone well I don't have a drone I have a quadcopter remote controlled quadcopter it's not a drone Okay. it's a self-stabilizing
0: right. remote controlled quadcopter I didn't have time to read the story about the um... oh I see why you thought it was the same thing no they were just close enough in time that they showed up <laughs> yeah. they were two different thoughts <laughs> gotcha <laughs> um yeah, register your drone. So the FAA is going to have a drone mm-hmm. registration. Basically, you know, if they find or capture a drone's flying over a baseball stadium, they're going mm-hmm. to be able to track it back to the owner. That's what they want. Um, so I don't know about quadcopters. We'll have to check the story out.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it, it it looks like a drone, but I can't like program it to go anywhere. I can't do any. It's not intelligent
0: at all. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, just gyro stabilized. It's yeah.
1: just gyro stabilized remote control.
0: Helicopter, essentially. Yeah, should have done some homework on this stuff. I could have read up on the FAA rule, too. I mean, nothing can't go higher than 30 feet. I'm sure that's not an issue. So they're talking about unmanned aircraft. Well, I guess it's, I guess, remote control.
1: It is an unmanned aircraft. It's, it's yeah. not a manned aircraft.
0: Mm-hmm. But does that but mean... But it's that, not autonomous, Does right? that mean a
1: model rocket counts?
0: Uh, is it an aircraft? (laughs) It's (laughs) a a a ballistic projectile. (laughs) It's a a rocket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there's a web registration. Need to register the name, email address. Uh, Certificate of aircraft registration, proof of ownership, and include a unique identification number on the UAS. Um... If it gets to
1: the if it gets to the point where I have to register my quadcopter, I will happily register my quadcopter. I don't
0: see an issue. Normal is uh, it normally costs five bucks, but they're waiving the fee if you do it before January twentieth. Expect hundreds of thousands of unmanned aircraft that we purchased this holiday season. Registration gives us an opportunity to educate these new air airspace users before they fly, so they know the airspace rules and understand that they are accountable to the public for flying responsibly. So it must be a, probably a little bit of a primer in mm-hmm. do's and don'ts of flying. Yeah, I mean, so so is, I, it does sound, that count for like model aircraft? I think like it that. does. I think it sounds like you know where model aircraft were such a small. I mean. Model aircraft were not gyro-stabilized. Mm. So they crashed a lot more. And crashes were very expensive for good model airplanes and helicopters. So there was it was never a very big hobby. Now that the things keep themselves from crashing a lot of the time, you know, that's why it's so much more prevalent. So I think they're just trying to... Anything that flies with remote control, I think, is supposed... We'll have to look at it, but yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be registered. Because so I'm
1: actually getting for... Uh, for another friend of mine, it's a very small quadcopter. Like, like It's about this big. Mm-hmm. Does that count? The, about, I'm making about, about the size of my fist, roughly.
0: I mean, I just scanned this article. It's actually on the FAA website, so it's not, you know, a press... Well, this yeah. is a press release. There's probably a link to the real document. Um, I would, you know, if I was writing the rule, I think I would say if the transmission of the remote is more than 30 feet fifty feet mm. then it needs to be registered. If it's a small indoor thing like this where it's not going to work more than twenty five feet away, you know, if I was writing the rule I would probably yeah. base on transmission distance of the remote control.
1: I mean the thing about the thing about about my drone thing <laughs> if you want to call it a drone is that it's uh it's so light that like a bird could hit it and not have an issue. So I mean <laughs> It's not like it could ever cause any damage to anything Maybe an insect
0: yeah, well, You know Another big part of the conversation is the privacy part You know How would you feel if someone was flying a drone over your backyard and... I wouldn't care That's me though Right <laughs> That is definitely a How would you feel if someone was flying a drone over your backyard And crashed it into you I'd be like what And spinning blades cut you then I'd be a little pissed. Well, right, right. So I mean it's not gonna happen to everyone who has a, a rogue drone flying over their backyard, mm-hmm. but I mean it is a safety thing.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Kids
0: get cut up by a drone blade. Bad news.
1: It it, it does smell a little bit though like the whole fear thing mm-hmm. that we're that we're now immersed in right now culturally. It, so
0: Yes. <laughs> um
1: you know, oh. And that's part of my issue with Snowden, going back to that, is 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 it's a little more fearful than, n- than is really necessary. The stuff that Snowden showed was a lot of PowerPoint slides. And you and I both know that PowerPoint slides are often made by people who can't actually do what they say they can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the mo- almost everything that he some,
1: released was PowerPoint
0: slides. Some of the data uptake, like data rate requirements... Like, one of the things he mentioned in the documentary. And then, like, some of these other things. Like, when I was seeing, um, when I first saw a video, and I've seen it a couple times now, I think it actually is legit. But there's this uh, drone that flies over a city, right? And it shoots, like, a, a zillion megapixel picture of the entire mm-hmm. city, right? And it just shoots one of these every few seconds. And it downlinks all this stuff to the ground. And That's for
1: the Qyburn holographic.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, but what it's what it's what it's for is it's for not so when an event happens, when a burglary happens, or when a hit and run happens, they can go back in time. They because it's the whole city, they can zoom into the street where that happened, find the car, then they can play back and follow where the car went to. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, really great law enforcement tool, right? Because now you can t- retrace the the steps from the sky. Uh, They're talking about like. The data rate from this from the drone to the ground—it it seemed like impossible to me. And they're talking about like how much data would be saved over the day, and it seemed impossible to me because of the how how HD this image is. Because I think they also said it's like sixty frames a second or something, thirty frames a second, which that that, that doesn't make that's not that's not worthwhile. I mean, uh, it, a frame every ten seconds is worthwhile.
1: The frontier of this kind of research in terms of data is actually happening at CERN, where mm-hmm. they have like trillions of events happening per second. Yeah. And they can't keep all of those. That would be way too much data. If they if they were to keep one slice of, of one second of data, that'd be too much. Yeah. Well don't, the amount of data
0: they do store is still boggles the mind. But yeah. they have some really cool things because they have basically while the data's coming in, the the switches, like the network switches and things like that can determine if the event's interesting mm-hmm. and it throws out most of the stuff, and then when it sees this interesting event, it sends it on to the next analyzer. And it gets pared down a couple steps until it's actually written to disk. Yep. You know, uh, so...
1: And the other thing they do, which is also important to that step, is they, they do save some events that would get thrown out so they can make sure that, yeah, this is correct to throw out this event. It was correct for them to throw out this event. Right. So they, they are constantly both throwing out lots of things and then also checking to make sure did Did we throw out
0: things for the right reason right there's um there's probably lots of great information about there. The one that I found if you're i t type you me you wanna, it's already on. okay and you want to look at the information stuff is um the tech guy i t guy at CERN did a talk about puppet uh, it's it's a configuration management program. But in the intro, there they talk about like how much data they collect and things like that. So uh, you know, check out that slideshow and video; it's it's pretty good. I'm sure there's others, but that's the one that I've was impressed with. Puppet,
1: I'll take a look for that.
0: Well, it's like I said, most of the talks about how they do configuration management, but the beginning, you know, the first couple of slides is just talking about IT at CERN and like how much data. Uh, puppets just to make sure all your. Boxes are configured just as they should, Mm. is what configuration management was. And part of their... For the the geeks listening, part of their mantra is that they treat their servers like cattle, where it has a serial number. When it dies, you shoot it and get a new one, instead of pets. Like where a server that's a pet is when it gets sick, you nurse it back to health. Mm. You know, it's not disposable and their goal is to get all of their servers and all of their workstations everything to be cattle so everything's the same it's easy to maintain there's no sacred you know special loving mm. care given to individual machines that's kind of their philosophy with puppet
1: makes sense to me all right so should we uh should we talk about star wars I think we could talk about Star Wars. All right. So I have so Star Wars talk begins now, everybody. The rest of this show is either Star Wars or math.
0: And if you want the math, tweet Greg. Yeah. All right. Um, so I went to see Star Wars 930 Friday morning with mm-hmm. Max. And we got there about 70 minutes before showtime. And there were about 30 people in line outside the theater in front of us. So still pretty good. I mean, yeah. great seats, yeah. for 30 people. Uh, so we got there just at the right time, I think. And, um... Yeah, I I think I'm going to see it. I mean,
1: I don't see any reason not to see it. Uh, because apparently it's it's pretty good. It is pretty good. Uh, so, but I don't have a... But just like anything else, I'm, have, I'm like don't have to see it right away. So and and Greg has also
0: completely spoiled himself. Yeah. And... You so know, I can stay in the conversation. Yeah. The, anything else that I might spoil for Greg is just kind of some of the dialogue or jokes. Right, yeah. Or there's no like need that. to go
1: into that. But, uh... um but the the story itself is yeah, you know, story. Actually. Uh the the play, time I'm planning to see it is actually so I we have holiday break after uh Christmas, you know Christmas Eve and on. So I plan to see it probably Tuesday the 29th. I figured that would be a great time to see it is in the matinee on Tuesday
0: mm-hmm. it's in two weeks. Right. That would be I also wanted to see it in a full full theater. I mm-hmm. thought it'd be fun to see it in a full theater. It, it was good. The the people weren't as raucous as I thought they would be. So that you know in line there's probably about 160 people in line before this, they let us into the movie theater. And, um, uh, I only saw two people under the age of like 23. Max and like one other kid who was probably in fifth grade or sixth grade or something like that. Now, granted, it was a school day. I figured there'd be more young kids there. Max was the only kid in costume, only person in costume. <laughs> he wore his Obi Wan outfit and, um, Oh, he had a he had a great time. He got a little embarrassed when people were like, "Hey, you!" Know, everyone was like so psyched to see him yeah. in a costume, but you know he's getting too much attention. He yeah, to yeah, yeah, a little embarrassed. Um, the funny thing was, so the line, you know, it came out and, and the line wrapped around the stupidest way. It wrapped around the small side of like the small side of the hallway, and it was actually wrapped around like this, <laughs> like a like doing like <laughs> like, a crow like here, right? Yeah. So this was the main door, like an at symbol, and there was a door here <laughs> yeah. and a door here, right? So these people like were, like probably seventy to 120th in line, got completely screwed. Oh, yeah. Because they opened up these doors the same time they opened up this door. So all these people that were much further deeper in line got to go in. So I was, you know, right here, 30 back, and they had to go over here, and this is where they were taking tickets. Uh, I got to this line just in time before the first line cutters, you know, got to us. So that worked out okay. And uh, they were taking tickets slow enough that I was able to get refreshments because I'm like... Max, I'm not sure if he wanted an Icy and Twizzler so bad. I'm like, Max, I don't know if I can get you these refreshments because I figured we would lose our seats, lose good seats, or um, I'd have to leave him in a crowded theater by himself. I didn't think that would be very good either. Uh, But the the one dude that was taking tickets was so slow that I was able to get refreshments (laughs) on the backside of the ticket line and only lost, you know, probably like four spots or five spots. Um, So uh, you know, I know you want to talk about the story, but I don't go to a lot of movies, so I want to talk about some of the experience no, leading before. into yeah, it. Absolutely. And um so this is my like first three D movie. Like I haven't been took I went to Guardians two D on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um Part of it was, you know, I mean Max was just big enough this time that the glasses stayed on his face and whatnot, yeah. you know. But you know, he said that they kept sliding down and things like that, even with the kid sized glasses. So part of it was for the kid and then you know, three D's just Generally not doesn't add that much to the movie. Uh so this is my first time saw the 3D. So we're watching the previews. And there was all kinds of like motion blur and ghosting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Especially when the camera is trolleying. Yep. yep. And I'm like, this is shitty. And I was hoping that, you know, the previews were rendered in a lower frame rate than the feature. You know, because why spend that time? It's not a final cut. VR, yeah. And so I hope it, i was hoping the movie would be better i 'm sure and, it was, and I think it was now part of me was when well, I told you this on on i am yesterday part of me was wondering, did my brain start compensating and filling in gaps, or i don 't know if it
1: no I, like i said I,
0: I think that part of the issue because you mentioned this before
1: and I said I think part of the issue is that when you 're doing previews there 's a lot of pre visualization stuff mm-hmm. it 's not the final rendering yeah. uh, it 's because who wants to spend that kind of money? on on a preview, unless you have yeah. Star Wars money.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... No, it's a good point. Yeah. So, like, I'm watching these previews of Superman versus Batman, and, like, you can... Well, it's two things. The cl- The cuts are so short. The cuts mm-hmm. are, like, two seconds. Right. Cut, 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 cut. And it's so jerky that it was really hard to, like, watch it. And I'm like, oh, I hope the feature's better. And it was, because there, there was actually two scenes... Where I kind of felt that it was ghosting again, like motion blur, mm-hmm. uh, the camera was tracking or trawling, and i'm just I wonder if they were down to the wire, and for certain scenes, the rendering wasn't at the same frame rate, like if it was a lower frame rate for the rendering it's
1: it's possible i mean you know all the all the star wars the the prequels were shot on digital, right it, maybe mm-hmm. even the first one wasn't, but the, the next two were shot on digital this was shot on I believe... I want to say 35 millimeter, but I'm not sure. this was shot right. on film?
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is... So, so, okay, we've got this one scene, right? Mm-hmm. ILM's working on the scene. It's almost deadline, right? They're rendering, rendering. So I can imagine they would typically render at 30 frames per second. And then when they're done, they'll render the interleaved frames. Mm-hmm. So now they get 60 frames per second for 3D, you know, and whatnot, or 48, whatever it is, you know. And um, I'm wondering if, like, they didn't get full frame rate for a couple of scenes because they seemed much jerkier than like other parts of the movie where generally the movie was pretty good. I'm thinking it might've been shot on 16. They might've shot on 16 to, to re to get some of that grimy look,
1: some of that film. Uh, it
0: might have. I mean, I know at the very end, you know, it said shot on Kodak film. Yeah. It was the only thing in the entire credits that was in color was the Kodak logo. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but it, it definitely, some of the, like, you could tell that the star destroyers were practical effects. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 felt like Star Wars. And it part of the, that was part of the thing that was so nice. So tweaking that nostalgia button is, you know, the models, you know, they, yeah. they looked good and it the combination of the film and the model feels like Star Wars. That's good. I mean, it, part of my so part of my issue with
1: it is that it feels very much. I haven't seen it yet, but you know, I did see. I saw the Jurassic World, which I probably wouldn't have seen had, had my company not bought tickets for okay. I did see it, and it was very much what I understand Star Wars to be: the same nostalgia stuff, right? it, it basically uh, a a retelling of the original story, and. It, from everything I've read this seems like almost this is just a new, a new hope.
0: there's a part of that for sure I mean yeah so there, okay so there's there's two things um there's a lot of that right I mean come on um droid with top secret information finds the soon to be hero on yeah. a sandy planet
1: I mean not even like the basic like like, like storytelling like story beat for beat story beats um I mean, if the characters yeah, are good, yeah. then, that, then that, yeah, I that's mean, it, fun.
0: It, I wouldn't say it's beat for beat, but, I mean, you got that. Then the end, right? You got X-Wing fighters mm-hmm. blowing up a large circular energy weapon. Yeah, like, this is the only thing... This
1: is a like entire galaxy. The only thing they can think of is big balls that shoot death rays.
0: Yeah. Now, this one was actually, you know, sun matter and not lasers, but... <laughs> 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 um. So okay, so you know, uh, let's see. What do I want to talk about? So the um, I, I I don't want to like talk scene by scene. I'm just trying to figure out like where I want to go with it. Um, I wasn't expecting to really like BB-8 all that much. Mm-hmm. You know, he just seemed Jar Jar-ish. Yeah, in the previews, he seemed Jar Jar-ish. He seemed um, yeah, exactly something to appeal to kids. Mm-hmm. He's not that way at all in the movie. He won me over in the movie. It, it's a really good character. Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm sold on BB-8. It it works, and the spinning the he's a lot faster than R2 ever was. So he can take part in chase scenes mm-hmm. and running with Ray and Finn and whatnot um, from explosions. It's a really good scene uh, later on in the movie where uh, Ray is going down this set of stairs, kind of a spirally bit of stairs, and BB-8's following her down. And so you get to see how a spiral, dro- how a round sphere droid would descend the stairs, and it was kind of like how um, a two-year-old would do it. Kind of tilts his head down, looks at the next step, then slowly rolls down it, and clunk, and he looks down, and every every step he'd look down, <laughs> clunk, clunk, and it's in the background of the scene, right? Mm-hmm. But it was just a little piece of, like, it was really cool. Like, yeah, just a little, a little like they thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, how does he get up the stairs? They didn't show that part. (laughs) I don't think he can climb this. I mean, it's like his rubber grippy stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he could get enough on the stair to climb the stair, but they left that up. They left a bunch of things. You've read about the plot holes. I'm sure. So one thing you have to be careful of is to,
1: if, if, as long as you enjoyed the movie, not sweat this. No, I'm not sweating. Not sweat the fridge logic. Fridge logic. The, the the concept is you you get home from the movie and you're looking in your fridge and all of a sudden you realize hey what about that yeah
0: so it- yeah no but like so people are one of the biggest things that they have um, questions about or issues with is when Ray goes down these stairs she's drawn down there the force is calling her right and inside this wooden box is Luke's skywalk Luke's lightsaber the one he lost in Bespin mm-hmm. when his arm was cut off you know fighting Vader and everyone's like well how did Maz get Luke Skywalker. Who cares? Get that's, his, get my a, uh, you that, know. I'm seems, sure that'll be explained in some book it seems, or comics. It seems rather convenient, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. but yeah. I'm fine with convenience.
1: That's, that's fine. Cause that's 30 years have gone by. Yeah. Right. So part
0: of, part of what I heard was, um, they cut a bunch out of this scene where Moz, cause she was a, uh, a CG character and, the article I Red said, "Who uh, the lady was doing the the motion capture really wasn't that good, or something." So they <laughs> cut the scene really short. So they might have lost some explanation there. I don't think it needs to be explained. I'm fine with it. Showing that doesn't up there. seem like something there's enough. Yeah. There's enough magic in the Star Wars universe that you know. The now, Force- from
1: what I understand, what needs to be explained, or at least needs to be thought about, is the idea that they could see destruction of their star systems right from the planet that they're, at, right, that sort of thing.
0: They didn't really say how far away that was. I mean, it could have... Even, if, like, if there are different planets on our solar system, it, it, it's a pass, It's passable. It's not realistic, but it's passable, right? So, if they blew up Venus in, during the day, you could, you could imagine seeing something similar. What would you see? Now, stop being a physicist and just be a... <laughs> if they blew up the moon... You might be able to see something. Okay. See, you're... you're <laughs> let it go. It's science fiction. It's not science fiction. It's science it's fantasy. Fan- okay, it's science yeah. fantasy, right. So, imagine that... But they did, they did that in Star Trek,
1: is, is the thing that bugs me. So, when Vulcan blew up, they they threw uh, uh, Captain Kirk on, on a planet, another planet, some ice planet, uh, that was, I guess, nowhere near Vulcan, but yeah, they could. But Sp- Spock was there, and then he could see like Vulcan, mm. like it was like it was mm. a moon. He could see the whole thing happen. It was just like, what? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even looking at a video screen. He was looking up in the sky, and mm-hmm. it was like this right. giant planet right there.
0: Right. Yeah. That that scene did seem because you know this is the right after they're in the building mm. where she found the lightsaber. They run outside and they look up, and you can see the fiery streams yeah. and the planets kind of burning, and. um yeah, it, it it crossed my mind as not realistic, but again, I didn't care. I didn't go for. I didn't go to Star Wars mm-hmm. to see what space really looks like. Right. Empty and boring. Right. Yeah, that's not why I went to Star Wars. Okay. So I'm. I, I <laughs> well, just, I'm just saying. Like, I can understand. Like the, the thing about the
1: the thing about the MacGuffin being in a basement somehow, that doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. That's a, But yeah. the thing about those kind of things, is like, they could find some way to get that point across
0: without having just, without breaking your immersion in the story. Oh, uh, sure, sure. Um, they, they wanted to show that, like, the entire old, or the new, entire New Republic has been, because, like, they were on, like, five planets or so, and all five planets were in the same system, and all got destroyed. Um, so what to understand the other, the other weird thing about that is uh, that nobody seemed to care.
1: <laughs> it wasn't like a big oh my yeah, god they blew. Up they off.
0: could have really. So at this point, Ray w- has really started to pick up the force. Oh, I right. saw a really cool article today talking about how, you know, some of the theories are she might have been in Luke's like Skywalker's uh, Luke's Jedi school or not. Um, but what I kind of like is she can kind of reverse engineer the force, mm-hmm. like when she's encountering someone who uses the force like she can almost like suck it out of him like pull it off of him so like when kylo's trying to get in her because uh, part of the plot was he stopped looking for bb-8 because he knew the girl had seen the map and he knew he could pull his me- the memory out of the girl's head he didn't need the robot anymore so now when he has the girl on the interrogation chair and he can't pull it out of her head he a- she-, she actually gets into his head you know and she the way she picks up things like there's a did you hear about how she does the Jedi mind trick?
1: Yes, she she does she does the well, whole. She's, hand. she's
0: like trying to figure out how it works, uh-huh. right? I mean, if you think about her reverse engineering the Force, it, it, it actually the scene works even better, right? Because instead of her remembering something that she might have seen in Jedi school when she was three, now she's like let's see if I can do this mystical Jedi mind trick that I heard about. So she tries it once and it doesn't work. And she tries it again. doesn't work. And now the, the stormtrooper is in front of her. And apparently it's Daniel Craig in the stormtrooper outfit. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, I read about that, but I didn't know that you, you didn't. I thought you would
0: see his face, but I guess you don't. No, no you never see his face. And, um, she does it again and it works and then uh, there's a great little joke on the way out because as he's because she's like you'll release my restraints and you'll leave the room and leave the door open and he's like leaving the door and he's like and she's like oh yeah and you'll drop your weapon he's like dropping my weapon <laughs> or I'm dropping my weapon you know and he just walks out of the room and um uh, and then at the you know there's also a scene where she's battling Kylo and it's a quick scene but if you read this article and you kind of think back like she does seem to like the more she does it the more she's in contact with him the She gains power and, you know, she basically Mm -hmm. defeats him at the end. There's a a plot thing, you know, a crevasse opens up and separates them. So you can't have any kind of conclusion. And, um, but, you know, so she gained power like right quick. So, yeah, I think I like that idea of how she's able to kind of hack the force.
1: So... Part of me, when I read the story, is is thinking to uh, a Star Wars video game that I played called uh, Knights of the Old Republic. It's a RPG. Mm-hmm. in In that story, you play as a um, as a guy who uh, kind of suddenly finds the Force and is trained and has a has a very strange like attitude for for picking up the force really mm-hmm. super quickly okay. um and then you' you're going after this uh th- there's all the stories about this horrible evil jedi guy, and you're going after his um the person who was under him, and you know the jedi guy was defeated, but you anyway, the story gets to the point where you find out you were that jedi guy, you were that horrible evil dark guy, and you had your mind erased. Okay. so that's the big twist so I'm wondering if they might be doing something uh-huh. along those lines she was the person who who instigated the thing that uh, killed all the Jedi at and then she got her mind
0: erased oh yeah that wouldn't be fun but maybe <laughs> why well, wouldn't it be fun because yeah, right? I, cause, I mean Kylo's the, the bad guy spoiler alert who kills his father you know and you know cements his badness but and, and raise such a But the whole point
1: of, of of Star Wars is, is even yeah. that can be redeemed, yeah. Yeah. right? So uh, I th- I would not be surprised if Kylo becomes a good guy at the end, or at least not the... I mean, apparently he is, he is struggling with it. He's not... Yeah, he's not it, it's committed. funny. It's
0: like the opposite, right? Yeah. He's like, help me. Help me, you know, the spirit of Vader. Uh, I'm conflicted of being a good guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. So... In in a sense, yeah, I think that probably, that's probably
1: the best way to write it is not to make it so simple. Part of the problem with the prequels is that it was so simple that it was really dumb because there was no, there was no real machinations going on. Mm-hmm. It was just there was this evil guy and he was controlling everything, making everything, and that all the good guys were stupid and idiots. And the so so the good guy could just play the evil guy could just play puppet with everybody and so there was no tension in any of the scenes mm-hmm. and it just felt like all this shit going on that you didn't care about right so you got to have characters who, who are in there who change and who grow and make different choices i mean I've, i think it would be a a very interesting choice to have if not ray become the villain then at least ray become questionable about her motives in some cases
0: so, I started mentioning about how Rey had grown in her skills, and mm-hmm. the reason I started bringing it up was when the New Republic was all obliterated, she should have had some kind of Obi-Wan, like, punch in the chest, like mm-hmm. when um, Alderaan was blown up. And they, maybe they cut it for time, but, you know, that seemed like that, you know, it would have showed that... Yeah. It, it, that that Well, like just, Leia did when Han got killed, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that by itself could have made the impression that people cared about yeah. the New Republic. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, lots of uh, homage back to the original movies. Um, And a lot of it was really fun and good. It was a lot of it. Like, maybe one or two could have got cut, you know? Mm -hmm. It just seemed like another... I I enjoyed it, but it was still a lot of homage. (laughs) And um, it seems like they had seen Guardians of the Galaxy and wanted to incorporate some of that... Self, uh, I don't know if self deprecating is the right word. It's almost like self meta type type right, dialogue yeah. Yeah. and joking, you know. And then yeah, Chewie seemed a little bit more of a smartass. I told Greg, like you could see in like a pitch meeting, you know that Chewbacca character. What if he was more like Rocket? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean in in the in the in the first one he's just kind of muscle,
0: mm-hmm. and in the third one he's just a big teddy bear, so. I mean, the second, you know, there's the line, you know, laugh it up for a ball. Mm -hmm. But even then he wasn't being like, didn't have that kind of, maybe, well, also the costumes are better. So he's able to emote better now. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the reason Chewbacca has more uh, uh, personality is because the the costume can emote better than 30 years ago. Possible. So there were no, uh, so, okay, so
1: there was a a small character, kind of Yoda-like character, but not Yoda. In Maz. Yeah,
0: so yeah, Maz um, you know, she's thousand years old. Right. Yeah. Uh or she's been doing her thing for a thousand years, one or the other, but she's old old. And um, so she she's she she's wise. Doesn't really seem to be um she's no, she's not Jedi force sensitive, but right. you could also imagine any She She's a window into another world. She's you, yeah. you could imagine any person who's been around for a thousand years has some kind of relationship mm-hmm. with the force. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and um that was a character that they that a lot of her lines got cut. And I guess a lot of Luke's lines got cut. Maybe for time. Maybe to help set up episode eight.
1: Well there was no luke lines, as I understand, it, right? No, there was no luke lines. Yeah.
0: But I mean he was involved in, you know, early on table reads type things like that. So I mean, either it was so for, for a while. Did I tell you this yesterday? I yeah, I think I did. The movie's basically a wrapping up, right? It's coming to a logical conclusion point. And there's no fucking Luke, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, the, the the scene where Luke's in, it's kind of like a coda, right? It's not part of the main right. movie. Yeah. And I'm like, did they have Hamill grow a beard and do all this press as a red herring? And you're not going to see Luke till episode 8? <laughs> you know? I mean, but, but it's practically what they did, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, they didn't have to have that coda. I mean... Again, it was more nostalgia, like, yes, Luke, yeah, cheer, you know? But other than getting the audience to cheer, it wasn't much there. I mean, because, mm. like, it was... A yeah, sh- if
1: you had no idea who Luke Skywalker was...
0: Oh, yeah, if you went in cold... Well, you, you knew, she, you could tell she was going to meet... You knew that was Luke from the way it was okay. set up. But also, the thing that seemed kind of weird was, you know, he's hiding somewhere in this lost part of the galaxy. When Rey goes there, it takes like 20 seconds of, hyper jump, of hyperspace to get there. You know, it's like too easy to get there now that she knew where she was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and they probably edited that out to make it shorter. But it's like 20 seconds later. Hey, look, she's at Luke's secret hiding planet.
1: <laughs> well, apparently there are lots of highways in the Star Wars universe. They mm-hmm. go lost highways.
0: There's some uh, uh, Han Solo's. The, well, uh, the guy who they pulled back in who wrote for Star Wars, or wrote for Empire. Castin, yeah. Castin. He um, wrote some great dialogue for Han Solo. Han and Rey's interaction uh, was really good. Uh, Finn and Poe's interaction, not as good, but still still good. And uh, yeah, just really good characters. So much better than any character from the prequels.
1: There weren't any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, we talked about the prequels and how they were. You know, with the green screen technology at the time, they were really handicapped. They kind of had to stand on an X and couldn't mm-hmm. move. So, you know, maybe if they were able to have, you know, some of the freedom that the characters had in this movie. Well,
1: if you look at the behind-the-scenes stuff, you'll see how Lucas just liked to sit, drink his coffee, and sit and watch, and he'd be the laziest filmmaker. Okay possible. Okay. Because all he was, all he cared about was doing stuff on, on the special effects. He didn't mm-hmm. give a shit about... That was... It was like... It was annoying to him to have to... Do, it seemed like Fucking at least...
0: People. What he, deal he, people?
1: Because he couldn't... He, every scene of him directing was just like... So you stand here and he, and you say this with anger. It was like the worst kind of directing you could possibly get. Uh, so... <laughs> yeah. Not a good actor's as director. J.J. Oh. J. Abrams... I, he's perfectly competent. I think he's good. He's, he's a good director. I think he does fun stuff. I think that all his movies are very, uh, very kinetic. Very, they move a lot. They have lots of fridge logic issues, all of them. And they also have an uh, issue where they do feel kind of disposable.
0: Right. I mean, so, like, if you look at the original Star Wars, right, the, the fact that Luke ends up with the droids, which have a secret for the Rebellion, Sure, Obi Wan's on the planet to keep an eye on Luke, mm-hmm. but that Luke falls into this plot, you know, into the falls. Fall the the rebellion lands on his lap, right? Right, you know. It's it's the same kind of thing of the lightsaber showing up in Maz's place. Right. It it's it's if it it's to tell the movie, but if you want if you want to justify it, it's the force bringing people together, bringing things together. The force is so big in Star Wars. Just have the force bring th- the things together that it needs to be brought together. And really, I mean,
1: yeah, you can write until off it get, that.
0: well until it gets crazy. But I mean, if you're going to complain about the lightsaber, there you got to be complaining about R two D two showing up outside Uncle Owen's house. I mean, sure, sure.
1: No, th- there are lots of, I mean, lots of little coincidences that happen. And I, like I said, I'm not, I, I'm, not yeah. I'm the first person to not complain about that sort of lightsaber right. thing. That's the kind of thing that I totally wouldn't complain about. Right. MacGuffin's like that makes sense. I have no problem with that. Uh you know it, it, it's it's the it's the weird things that take you out of the movie. And that mm-hmm. wouldn't take me out of the movie.
0: Yeah, so I mean did anything really take me out of the movie? Um that one one scene where there was ghosting, you know, issues uh, you know where the tr- there was a, camera was kind of mm-hmm. trolleying and panning back and it got a little jerky. You know, that made me think, oh, 3D. Um Nothing seemed too implausible. I mean... All right, so
1: let me ask you this question. Was there... I should just ask you instead of saying, let me ask you. But was there anything in the 3D that made you feel like you had... It was good that you saw it in 3D, or was it just like...
0: It was generally good. Um, I think it added depth to the movie. Like I said, generally, most of the scenes were well enough done. Um, There were some times, like, I know there's times I forgot it was in 3D. Mm Mm-hmm. Not forgot because things weren't happening because it was realistically implemented, I think you know there was one scene where there was two scenes that were just shitty, like old school 3D, right at the beginning, right you have you have the opening crawl, you fade down to the planet, and then you you see the silhouette of a star destroyer over the planet, so basically it's just a black triangular void over the planet, right. Then you see a three um, fighters, they start over on the right, they pass behind the Star Destroyer, and they come straight, at, like, straight up the camera and run past it, right? Classic 3D use. Yeah. Seems superfluous. You know, I was like, ugh. Because that was like one of the first things. Yeah. I'm like, ugh, ugh, fucking 3D. And then later on in the show, there was a space scene, and the nose of the Star Destroyer was like right there. Like right, like... Eleven o'clock you could reach out and grab the nose of the star destroyer, and it was a it was a long scene for, i mean it was a long shot. it was probably three and a half to four seconds of the star destroyer right there you know and it's just like three d fucking three d <laughs> but aside from those two things um, I think it was pretty good the, so would you would you recommend seeing it in three d or, or do you think it matters um I would see see it in 3D. All right. If I was going to go see it again in a theater, I would go 2D, though. But for the first one, I would do 3D. Um, As a comparison, it seemed like there was a good depth of field. Some of the previews, it was like there was just two stages. Yeah. Near near stage and far stage, some of the previews. I didn't notice any kind of um, different lanes of the highway Mm -hmm. type thing you know it seemed like it was continuous stage in star wars all right we're like uh warcraft they had a preview for warcraft and it really seemed like there was the near stage and the far stage and that's it (laughs) yeah just simple parallax okay so let's get into then the
1: math i think that's good enough on star wars i think
0: yeah i think so okay so uh if it's not clear go see it um yeah go see it it's so Greg asked me yesterday, "Guardians or Star Wars?"
1: And I'm still hesitant because I didn't ask you that. You, oh, you- <laughs> I haven't
0: said Okay, but you but you asked me, "What do you think?" Yeah. Right? So you wanted my answer. I, I hesitate right? because I just saw Star Wars. It's yeah. such a nostalgic gold mine that you know I'm, I'm loving every second of the whole thing. And you remember that people weren't reviewing *Phantom Menace* poorly when it first came out, right? right. I don't think it's denial, but there's definitely this afterglow that I'm in. Uh, I think I think Star Wars wins now. I just right. the more I think about it, the just more I enjoyed the entire thing. Because I mean, even in in Guardians, the whole battle like right where they're you know they're coming to coming to the planet, right, and they're fighting it off, and there's stuff happening on the ship, and then the net that's happening off the ship. I don't know. I just that's, that scene seems to drag a little bit for me. I don't love that scene. Once they get on the ground, and Peter Quill's being you know. Peter Krill again, yeah. you know, it gets really good but that whole that whole ten minutes I think so. in
1: general the Marvel scenes that fail, for the most part, they're big action scenes and they're really good in the stuff leading up to it Yeah, the, uh, the one that was sort of different Ant-Man actually had a really good ending action scene because it was kind of inventive and it played okay. with, with the genre a bit, uh, but most of them the, the big action scenes are kind of b- boring mm-hmm. uh, they're, but the interesting stuff is is the character stuff that happens in between
0: yeah, I mean other than using X Wings for a third time to blow up a large circular thing, mm-hmm. um I, I like just about the entire movie. And and even watching the X Wings blow up the uh Star Killer or whatever it's called, um, uh, it was still fun to watch, right? It didn't seem like, oh here I go again because I mean there's enough different yeah. to it. Um yeah, so and how's it compare to all the other Star Wars movies? I think I need more perspective, I need more time. Uh tough it's um can't be as good as empire it's close it's definitely better than return of the jedi
1: watch empire again
0: i i have I, that's when <laughs> i watch most the most often um i don't know uh, right, well, again, i'll, I'll have to see it and see again it. I, it's so fresh that i need some perspective on it but i mean i might rank it i might rank it better than the new hope and just behind empire maybe i don't wow, know that's, I don't that's know. pretty high it's, praise It's pretty good i don't you know it's kind of it's like i don't want to pick for a loser you know i, I just kind of want to enjoy all three oh, that, that. <laughs> well you got
1: to rank yeah. on this show yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so uh, i had fun i enjoyed it it was a great experience Awesome.
1: Well, that sounds good. And and your son enjoyed it, of course.
0: Oh, yeah. You should have seen when we got out of the theater. I was checking up on some emails, figuring out where to go for lunch, and he, he's in like right beside the food court, and he's having lightsaber battles with himself. And <laughs> couldn't stand still.
1: Well, that, that's the kind of thing you want to see as a father, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, i got to have this. I'm going to take a uh, leg. I think for some reason okay. I'm getting a little bit of a... All right.
0: a, I'll maybe, pause. It
1: might be your cat.
0: If mm. I can get to the recorder here, I'll pause.
1: All right, so let's do a little bit of math. I listened to my thing last time, and uh, part of the problem was, I think I have, I have a little bit of uh, buzz okay. at the time. Right. Part of the problem was I definitely went about it sort of the wrong way. Okay. Um, what, I, what I should have done sort of explain why this is... Why, why is I important? I think I kind of did it at the end after we turned it off, but right, right. never really got, got to that in, in the show. So essentially, what, what I would say is think about the number line to start with. When mm-hmm. you think about just a number line, whatever, and you have like one, two, three, whatever, a number line, each of these is a unit. Right? Mm-hmm. You're defining a unit on the number line sure. as one. So this is so another... That would be two units, uh, this would be, you know, three of those one units. This before those one units, etc. Mm-hmm. And so you have exactly what that unit is defined. Then we move on to geometry, and we have a unit triangle that is defined by a right triangle. Once we have the issue with right triangle, we can then scale this, right? I mean, we know that this right triangle has a 90-degree angle. Mm-hmm. In other words, the, these two sides are perpendicular to each other. Um, they're orthogonal to each other. Right? They're not 90 degrees between them, so they're exactly orthogonal. Okay. That When you have that, and you put a third line between them, then you know that these angles are going to be the same. Always.
0: And you also no, know... They're going to be... The sum of the angles are going to be... 90 degrees. 90 degrees, right. They're not going to be the same. It's a right triangle. No. No. Uh, uh. Right. If you have a right triangle. No, because you can have a right triangle where this is 30 degrees and this is 60 degrees.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, never mind. <laughs> the sum of, of them. I'm thinking of an uh, uh, equilateral triangle. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, the, the sum of them is going to be nine degrees. Um, and you also know that uh, you know A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And you know that if you make this bigger, as long as it's the same scale, then the same thing will apply.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Always. And once you have that, then you can start talking about other triangles. Because this gives you a way to find the two. You can take another triangle and sort of convert it into a right triangle, doing some math, figure out the angles, convert it, figure out exactly how you did that, figure it back. So then this gives you the way to deal with squares. The square is just a, a, a mirror of that triangle, right? There you go. Now you have a square.
0: Okay. Well, you have a rectangle.
1: You have a rectangle, but essentially, yeah, you have, you have a rectangle. As long yeah. as you're talking about right angles still. As long as you're talking about right angles. Mm-hmm. Any triangle you can make, if you flip it across its hypotenuse, you're dealing with a rhombus. You're dealing with some four-sided for thing, right. but you then know how sure. to deal with. So what the eye allows you to do is allows you to define a unit circle. And the reason we don't. We use i instead of y, is because and I kind of got this after we turned off the thing last time. Why, if you if you do an xy graph, you don't know what these units are, and they could be any units, right? You, you could have one be thousands and one be millions, okay. and if you scale it right, you can draw something that looks exactly like a circle, even though it's not. Okay, but with using i. You are insured that i is always equal to the square root of negative one x. Sort of x is sort of implied by that. So you have mm-hmm. a circle that is it has to be has to work this way when you're using i because i is exactly this partic- this i off of mm-hmm. the x plane.
0: Sure. Okay. So you're
1: defining a unit. Okay. And that means that what you can then do with that unit is expand it, contract it, you can do all this mathematical stuff with it. You can then get weird things where you have, so there's a graph, and you can have sort of a wavy line like that, and you could put circles at each of these points to figure out what's going on. You could understand when that's mirrored, how this is happening. Because you can convert that back into a circle through math. And you know how to do that. You know how to exactly deal with a unit circle. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, well, that's basically the, the point is that you now have this unit that you can move on. And so if you think about it like this way, you have this circle and you have this vector on the circle. Mm-hmm. And then you have some weird oval and you have this vector. Figure out what is that vector if I Look at the circle. If I look at a circle, it's sort of like that. What is right. that vector? And you can do that by translating this back into a circle and translating this into this. And you can figure out, okay, what that... You translate this into a unit circle, mm-hmm. which then gives you where this vector is, and you translate this into this circle, the unit right. circle into this, and that gives you exactly what that vector is. Okay and the i stuff just allows you to do that without having to do
0: this process. All right. You explained it much better than last time.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: So, um So part of how I was imagining i doesn't Okay, so, I mean, maybe maybe you're talking about something that, I mean, right now it sounds like you're just talking about, you know, you have, um, okay, so we have, say we have, you know, sine wave or something like mm-hmm. that, right? And, you know, at a given point, you want to, you know... Plot that or something, you know, like the where it is in direction to where it's, you know, the vector of, of it or something mm. like that, right? Um, so I mean, but this is actually a coordinate on your chart, right? Yeah. So you know, this is let's just say that even though it, so I just I drew a sine wave and I have a point that's just past the crest of the sine wave, okay, mm-hmm. and. Just to make it easy, let's say that's at one one, right? So it, it, cre- would- it crested at like one point two. Okay, all right. So where we're at is just a one one to keep it simple, all okay? right? And you know, so it's going down at whatever angle. So you know, to to Wait,
1: where is that point again? The point is at one one. Right? The. The crest is at...
0: one point, So say the crest is at one, uh, 0.8x1.2y, okay? So say that was the crest of the wave.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So we're just past the crest. We're at a point. Mm-hmm. I made it one one just to keep numbers easy instead of calling it point 0.8 and mm-hmm. point 0.1, point 0.2 or whatever. Um, so, you know, I see what you're just talking about how... Okay, so now we have... So from zero, we have that vector, right? So, is that like okay? So you have to think about this and on a sine. So would I use i on this to calculate like?
1: Um, you don't have right. to necessarily use i for that because you would okay. you would then say, all right, so wh- wherever the wave wherever the wave is cresting, mm-hmm. that's going to be at some point, um, uh, where on the unit on the circle. That would be a point where the x-coordinate would be 0 and the y-coordinate would, or the i-coordinate would be i. Uh, so the crest of it happens, the crest of sine happens on a circle when you go up to this point, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be i, comma 0, uh, and that okay. is... Um, so that would be... Okay, so you oh, so you reformat your... Uh, that'd be a pi over 2 around the circle.
0: Okay. Wow. So that
1: point would be pi. So that mean your 0.08 would be mm-hmm. pi over 2. Uh, and your 1.2 would be equal to basically i. So you go from there.
0: Okay. So you basically change your frame of reference so you're... Instead of based at zero, you're based Mm -hmm. something relative to the point that you care about. Okay. I I don't have any other questions. I just wanted to...
1: And then, you know, it goes back down and it crosses the x-coordinate, so it comes back down to here, and it crosses that at pi, and that is also at... uh, So it crosses here at pi, and that would be at negative 1. Right? And it goes down... And back up again. This is uh, three pi over two, and this is four pi, or sorry, two pi. So around the whole, around the circle all the way it would be two pi. Okay. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah, maybe I didn't really mean sine wave. Maybe I meant something that.
1: <laughs> no, it's cool. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're asking a very good question. Uh, but when you understand, okay, if you understand the sine works, the sine wave works in this way, mm-hmm. you can start to okay, well, where is this on a circle? And how would i figure out where that is
0: right so yeah maybe i so sine has a a sine wave has a constant ratio of amplitude versus um frequency right mm-hmm. okay so I, I misused the term it wasn't necessarily what i had in mind but it's good you, mean, you meant like a sinusoidal wave right I, I just something taller than wide i guess yeah something whatever it's called but yeah i forgot about the sine being very specifically a constant ratio between its amplitude and its frequency
1: mm-hmm. so. remember it, it's the when you're when you're looking at sine, you're looking at how many radians on the x-coordinate you've gone through based on y amount of turns
0: okay so speaking of that i got you some light reading for for christmas <laughs> yeah you got me
1: uh let's see what's the book
0: it's uh, from the Lorentz transformation to the Dirac equation, right? the, so the
1: Lorentz transformation to the Dirac equation: a whirlwind tour of special relativity. Now, th- th- this is a lot of stuff that I do know, but it's always good to refresh on it, and it's always good to have the equations right in front of you when you want to get some. Uh, you want to get reminded of of mm-hmm. what the heck? Uh, it's funny because I was, was I was at
0: work last week. I've drawn. some. I've <laughs> tried to draw some of these for you. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I was so, at work last week and uh, I was talking with one of my coworkers. And I glanced down, and he has a book on his desk, but I didn't really notice it. But like a certain word caught my head, like Lorenz Transformation. I was like, hey, wait a second, I look at it again. And I'm like... And I still didn't realize that he was the co-author on the book. So uh, we started talking about it, and I, I told him that, you know, I have a friend who, uh, who does this kind of stuff for fun. <laughs> and he said, really? <laughs> for fun? And then... Uh, I told him, you know, this is going to be the perfect Christmas gift for him. But you never thought you'd hear that working on this book.
1: <laughs> okay, I, I, I realized I, I, men, I mentioned. Uh, I just want to write it down so I have it. Uh, so I have it down. So okay. So sine x, the function sine of x, whatever the answer is, is the y co- is what the y coordinate would be on the unit circle after rotating around it for x radians. Okay, and a radian is, of course. One radii of the unit circle. Um, So that just keeps going around and around and around and around and around and around.
0: Okay.
1: So that means that sine of x will always be between, because it's the y coordinate, and the y coordinate on the unit circle is always between 1 and negative 1. Right.
0: Gotcha. Starting to cut kind of, some of that trig's yeah. coming back to me,
1: and it hits it always hits x or x equals zero and, at uh pies.
0: You should be a trigonometry teacher, you'd be better than my <laughs> high school trig teacher. He was one of the biggest a hole teachers I ever I'm had. I'm
1: sorry to hear that, but hey, I mean, I've had to relearn this stuff again, too. Um, it, it's um, and, and like I said before, this is. You can you can understand you can you can memorize certain things, but understanding this is the kind of stuff that is PhD level mathematics, or at least was a hundred years ago at the very least. Right. Comprehending it is hard. Getting to the point where you can think along these lines, instead of having to go back to do the formulas and, and sort right, of right. working that way, getting to the point where where this is natural is hard. It's not easy, but it's. And it's not immediately apparent how it's useful. But if you want to understand the world, we understand the world through these. Right. Through these circles, through these triangles. We understand the world. So if you want to really get what people are talking about, you got to understand this stuff. Okay. You got to comprehend it in your bones. There you go. All right.
0: <laughs> I'm going to comprehend some
1: beer right now. All right.